welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. This episode is being recorded live from the NRFshop.org Digital Summit on Wednesday, September 28th, 2016. This is the second of our live podcast from the NRF Clubhouse on the Expo floor this morning. And for our live audience, a reminder that our last show is coming up at 1030. As usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hello, everyone. We are have a real special treat for you today. We are joined by two of our friends from this small company out in California called Facebook. Uh, we have Nicholas Franchette. He is the Director of Global Vertical Strategy at Facebook. Uh, and he is also joined by Maz Sharafi, who is the Director of Monetization at Facebook, which sounds like you're responsible for all the revenue. So we're going to really dig into that one. Yeah, not That's quite. a big job. Um, so I'd uh, love to welcome you guys to the show. How are you doing today? Good morning. Doing pretty well. Moss, yeah. how are you? Good morning. Doing great. A little great. under the weather, but you, uh, we appreciate you. We had a bit of cold, but... Kind of powering through for the show. through. For Pod- you guys, of course. Very excited. Podcast rules, the show must go on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we like to dig into this, just kind of orient people on uh, your backgrounds and how you got to where you are at Facebook. And then after that, we'll kind of love to kind of know more about what your roles are at Facebook. Nicholas, let's start with you. And I, uh, since we're in Dallas, Texas, I can't help but notice you have an unusual accent. Uh, as they would say here in Texas, you, you ain't from around here. Uh, where are you from yeah it's my it's my texan drawl um i'm from uh, i'm from france actually originally. okay so yeah. um, I've, I've lived in the u.s for a long time now about 20 years good good cool so tell us about uh you and i've known each other you you were at ebay um, i was at ebay prior yeah. to facebook yeah what'd you do at ebay and how did your career take you to facebook yeah i started at ebay uh on the strategy team uh which i ran for a while and then i ran the the car business uh, where uh, we probably met, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. eBay Motors. eBay Motors. People will never buy cars online. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, we sold a lot of cars. And then I um, transitioned. I ran the uh, eBay fashion business for a while uh, before joining Facebook. Is that why you wear these nice little sweaters and I'm, all this fashionable? I'm, the most fashionable, guy. fashionable. I'm certainly the most fashionable guy in this little pod thing. Oh, you have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. we, we set the bar very high yeah, for you. Easy win there. Yeah. I'm just grateful Scott has pants on. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, when you podcast, who knows? So, Who's the big winner? Yeah. Cool. And, and Maz, we're, uh, I saw that you worked at Google and had a lot of interesting kind of... Um, yeah. You were at like City. I saw some uh, kind of commerce, credit card payment kind of companies in your yeah, background. Yeah, I've got a mixed bag of stuff going on. Uh, so I've been at Facebook for about seven years now. Uh, and then before that, that's right, I was at Google um, and, uh, you know, I was there for a couple of years. So about nine or 10 years I've been spending uh, in, you know, in the ads business and ad tech. Um, and my early career was very different, totally different beast, which was in the finance world. So it was in New York uh, where I spent some time at Citigroup and American Express. Uh, yeah, on, on Wall Street. So very different beast. Cool. So seven years at Facebook, that, that's actually pretty early. Um, or was that like first 500 employees? Uh, you know, I think you know? it was, I was somewhere around like maybe a thousand or something thousand. like okay. that. Yeah. 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 It, so was, still, it was by no means an undiscovered company back then. Yeah. 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 But, but you still probably had a, you know, probably knew most of the people and you know, now you probably walk around and you don't know, like you only know like 5% or something or less. Yeah. It's definitely yeah. gotten bigger, but yeah. uh, you know, we've, we've done a pretty nice job of, of, you know, retaining a number of old school 
folks. So you see a lot of familiar faces, which is nice. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, when you started at Facebook, tell us about your kind of career arc at Facebook. Have you always been on the monetization side? Yeah. or? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't I've know always... there was monetization at Facebook seven <laughs> yeah. years ago. But yeah. Yeah, we were, we were, you know, we were messing around back yeah. then. Uh, yeah, always, always on the broader monetization side. Um, so I've done a few different things. Uh, on the, in the beginning, I started actually on the the sort of front end of the business on the sales management side, um, where I managed our mid-market um, account management team. Uh, and that, so that we, we really thought about small businesses, mid-market, and sort of large businesses back then. Uh, and then I spent some time on uh, our local monetization. Um, so we did a number of things around, uh, you know, products like offers and deals and check-in mm-hmm. deals and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, over the last four years or so, I've been spending my time on the direct response side of the business and specifically on the product side. Um, and uh, and that's what I do now. So um, I lead our pro- uh, the product marketing monetization product marketing organization for our direct response portfolio. Yeah, and when you say product, you mean like the software product, not like physical products. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for us, products are, you know, the monetization products are the products that advertisers use uh, the, to, you know, market on Facebook, right? And reach the customers with, um, with their message and, and drive their objectives. And direct response, of course, for us is, you know, businesses are trying to do things like, you know, uh, uh, install apps or, you know, uh, drive customer acquisition or drive product sales or offline sales, those types of products. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm a software engineer, um, before I kind of went to the dark business side and, uh, I always love going to Facebook and kind of seeing the hacker mentality and, and the culture yeah. you guys have created there is really fascinating. I don't think a lot of people understand that. So maybe if you could give like a super high level, what is, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people and they're like, Oh, hacker, you know, oh, that means right. like breaking into things kind of thing. Right. Uh, so maybe describe for our audience, like, what does that mean? And, and what is that? What is that part of the culture at Facebook all about? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that concept is, uh, is, you know, is really ingrained in, in the culture. Um, and if you've ever been to campus, but you know, you see sort of posters everywhere on campus and that, that concept, that word is, is in a lot of posters, right? It's everywhere. Um, you know, the, the, the basic idea of it is that, you know, uh, when you go back to sort of the founding of the company, we, 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 you know, Mark and team always did a really great job of moving really fast, right? Um, it wasn't about building a perfect thing, but about, you know, building something that we could get out and test. Um, and, and that's how, you know, Facebook expanded, expanded, went from universities to a broader audience and moved really quickly. Uh, and so that, that concept simply for us means, you know, um, another poster that we have is, you know, done is better than perfect, right? Which is, you know, how do we move fast? How do we, how do we prototype um, and get feedback, from, you know, from people and businesses and, and, and go from there. So that's really what it means. And it's very much ingrained in, in the culture. Yeah. At a thousand people, like, you know, that is pretty common. A lot of companies say that and do it. It's just really impressive. You guys have kept it yeah. in your DNA. I don't know how many employees are at Facebook, you know, greater than a thousand, obviously, <laughs> but to like still see that. And, and, uh, you know, that's pretty amazing. And it, it, it must be really, really important to you guys to kind of keep that as kind of a foundational tenant of what you do. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, particularly our leadership, definitely lives and, and sort of acts that way or models the right behavior. Um, and, and it's, and it's really ingrained in, in how we do product development. Part of that must be, you know, the scary thing about doing things so fast is you change the newsfeed and you get this like negative reaction and this fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Is it, do you, do people at Facebook feel safe? Like it's okay. You, you have to have the, it seems like you'd have to have this kind of, it's okay to fail a little bit if you're going to push stuff out so quickly is, 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 is that kind of part of the culture that happens there too? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to be, you know, uh, to the sort of, you know, counterpoint to that, and I think important to note is, of course, the most important thing is the user experience, right? Um, so we want to make sure that, that that's the number one thing that we prioritize all the time. Um, but within that, we want to make sure we're moving fast, right? And taking, you know, um, having well thought out ideas that we move fast on and, and try things out and, and quickly learn, right? Learn from the data. And if we think it's, uh, you know, the data suggests it's, it's a good idea, then we'll move forward. If not, we can, we can you know, go back, right? Um, so certainly we're, you know, the, the culture isn't to, you know, um, try things randomly, right? Yeah. They're well thought out, but, but definitely a culture of making sure the user experience is paramount, but, but moving fast at the same time, right? And so balancing those two things is what I would say the company's done really, really well. Cool. And if I may on this, I do want to establish the parallel with, with retail, yeah. Which is, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about Silicon Valley and how it operates um, and this actually increasing speed at which it operates and innovates. Um, when we work with, with retailers, commerce in general, we're seeing a, a similar pattern where, you know, retailers are becoming technology companies. And technology companies live in this world where innovation is, is at the core. Um, and the world and our world is moving faster. Retailers' world is moving faster. We're at a digital show look around, right? A lot of these companies didn't exist a couple of years ago. They're offering services that are more and more sophisticated. We're seeing that same pattern of uh, experimentation, iteration, trial and error. Um, and, and we firmly believe actually that um, the retailers who do this best are really going to, are going to be the ones who are going to grow uh, uh, in the healthiest way. Yeah, you and I were on a, I think we we're at a round table talking about mobile and you asked the, the fun question of how many people update their mobile app and it was all retailers on the panel and I think the most frequent was like maybe every quarter. Uh, and I don't know how often Facebook updates the mobile app, but like it's always in my apps that need to be updated. It seems like you guys almost like daily update that app and I'm just kind of like, long for I get like every seven days worth of things just on my upgrade schedule so so I think retailers are getting better but you know to the, to the extent that you know to keep up with the kind of innovation you guys do it, it needs to be this like constant daily kind of a thing yeah yeah that's right so and I feel like that that change has been very disruptive to retail because you you know you, you think about the 4,000 year history r- retail has done well by changing cautiously um, and it's Retailers have really struggled to sort of adopt this more agile methodology. And, you know, you mentioned uh, good is the enemy or great is the enemy of good. Like that's been a reoccurring theme of our our conversations this week in this environment. Like customer, to keep up with customer expectations, you you can't necessarily always have a, a perfectly polished, uh, carefully considered answer for every new change. You, you need to keep moving with the customer. Right. Uh, so, Nicholas, uh, your title has retail in it, um, and so that it sounds like you have some vertical responsibilities within Facebook. And I didn't, I guess, uh, I'm not sure all our listeners necessarily knew that there are vertical practices within Facebook. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So, I joined Facebook um, about four and a half years ago, and, and at the be- it was the beginning of our what we're calling the verticalization. What we mean by verticals, by the way, is, is really industries we started to get smarter about putting together solutions for specific industries because, you know, what's going to work in retail is not the same as going to work in automotive. So we, we cover, and, and today I, I, run, I run the whole uh, team, so we cover not only retail e-commerce, but also automotive, entertainment, travel, CPG, 
you know, um, a, a number of other ones, tech telco, uh, gaming, and um, and all of us have a background in the industry. Um, so uh, my my background's more around retail e-commerce. That's what I spend a lot of my time on. I'm I'm with you guys on the on the board of shop.org. Um, and, and the idea is to get smarter about what industries, uh, need, you know, as, as Maz and his team build a lot of, of products, uh, the Silicon Valley version of a product, um, you know, there's a lot of best practices that are emerging around, well, which products should, which industry with, and within an industry, by the way, you're going to have a lot of sub flavors. If you're a, a fashion retailer versus, um, an electronics retailer if you're in the U.S. versus elsewhere, if you're a beginner versus a very advanced, if you're a pure, pure player versus a store operator, the solution is going to vary. And um, I think you're seeing us get smarter about packaging up those solutions both on, on the product side, building features that are really adapted to what the industries need, as well as marketing them in the appropriate way through the appropriate channels. Very cool. Yeah, so um, let's go through some of the high-level Facebook stuff. I'm a, I have a lot of weird hobbies, and one of them is listening to earnings calls. And I always love the Facebook earning calls because it's kind of like just the scale of what what has been built is just awe-inspiring. So uh, I forget how many monthly users. Someone corrected me, and I think it's 1.7 billion monthly active users. That's is right. that right? Yep. Uh, and then uh, the stats are crazy. So that's monthly, and then like some you know, something like 60 or 70% log in daily. So there's over a billion daily active users. Um, most, the mobile access, like 80% of them are mobile. Um, the, a lot of people may not realize it, but you guys acquired Instagram, WhatsApp, uh, and then Oculus, which is near and dear to, to our hearts. Uh, when we're not on Instagram where we have our Oculus head headgear <laughs> on. Um, so, uh, Thank you. And then you have Facebook Messenger is obviously part of the, you know, it used to be kind of integrated in Facebook and now it's been separated. Um, that, that's a lot of assets to bring to bear. Um, you know, let, let's talk about, did I miss anything in there? And, and what do retailers kind of think about that? You know, how, when you talk to retailers, there's a lot to talk about. What are some of the things you kind of, you bring up with that, that portfolio? What I love, by the way, is that you listen to earnings announcements. That's like a hobby. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one. That's one of the more normal uh, odd hobbies that Scott yeah. has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you learn a lot. <laughs> yeah. Ask to see his uh, Amazon fulfillment center photo collection sometime. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, the two things on this, and, and I'm sure Maz will 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 have ideas as well on this. Um, so we have a pretty strong mission, uh, Mark you know, has established the mission of the company to, to make the world more open and connected. And what you're seeing is a diversification of the portfolio to do that. Um, we have, we have, of course, Facebook, big blue app, 1.7 billion people, but you know, now WhatsApp has a billion people. Messenger has a billion people. Instagram passed the 500 million people mark. Uh, Oculus is on, on its way there. <laughs> the, the, the idea is we're not going to connect the world through uh, a single solution, but it's going to be a set of things. So that's one thing. And the second thing is, um, actually, Facebook was the only platform that was born on desktop uh, of all of those. And now you're right, it's, it's 90% plus uh, mobile. Uh, the other ones are, are mobile, you know, almost pure plays. And the parallel with retail there is, is what we explained to them is, you know, you got to understand, like, this pivot to mobile that is happening to, to retailers happened to us. We were born on desktop. We were late to mobile. And um, 
it's now all of our business and the only thing we really invest in because we see that consumer preference has shifted there. Um, and we see a similar pattern emerge in retail where, you know, in the consumer journey, mobile is playing an increasingly big uh, component. Uh, you have pure players who were born before mobile who are adapting quickly to this trend. And then you have omni-channel retailers who are still, to be honest, a little struggling with incorporating mobile in the customer journey yeah. in this merchant-led sort of you know, experience that they, that they uh, know. Um, and that's, that's a big topic that, uh, that we have uh, with them. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the common thread here is very much the concept of mobile, right? It's disrupted consumer behavior. It's disrupted, you know, the strategies that any retailer, large or small, um, you know, needs to deploy over the next, you know, set of years. And, and I really like the point Nicholas is making, which is, you know, we made that shift, right? That was, that was we were not a mobile company, right? And I think a lot of people forget that. A lot of um, people bet against you ever being able to become a mobile course. company. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're not looking so uh, prescient right now. Yeah, no, of course. So, so th- like that's, that's the fundamental challenge, right? And that's, the, uh, you know, that, that's what we think a lot about, right? So the solutions that we're building, uh, you know, the, in terms of the products, right, that marketers would use, um, particularly you know, retail-based businesses, that's, that's what we have in mind, right? Which is... Uh, how do you take a world where consumer behavior is mobile first, right? It is absolutely mobile first and mobile is the, uh, you know, the sort of connective tissue throughout the path to purchase. Um, it doesn't mean everybody buys things on mobile, to be clear, right? Most purchases still happen on desktop computers and, and stores, right? Uh, but mobile is the connective tissue throughout that journey. Um, and, and so how do you build capabilities and solutions to help, you know, businesses um, at least market uh, and be able to acquire customers and, and service demand uh, in that world? That's, that's very much what we're focused on. But even beyond what we do, right, this is sort of the fundamental challenge that, that these businesses have uh, today. Let, let's unpack that a little bit, Maz. Uh, we've had a couple of conversations this week about... Um, hey, it's super easy to chase the shiny new object, and there's lots of interesting new things happening every every week or every month that we're guilty of spending a lot of time talking about. But that you know, retailers would be really well served by making sure they do the proven high value fundamentals yeah. right before they get too much of their bandwidth sucked into those new things. And I, I feel like Facebook has this first world problem that you have an extremely broad portfolio of tools that a retailer could potentially use. So could you maybe sort of help us um, break down, like, what, what, are, like, what are the fundamental tools that, uh, that every retailer should know about that, that are most proven to, to generate favorable results for a retailer? Yeah. Want me to take this one? You can Go add for to it. it. Okay. So, yeah. So, like Nicholas said, right, there are all these, you know, um, uh, you know, capabilities that are these billion person networks, et cetera, on Facebook. I think when we sort of get down to it, you know, where, where folks should focus is where people are spending the majority of their time today, where we have solutions today. And that's Facebook and Instagram and, and to some extent our audience network as well, right? And really what we've done is, you know, we, 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 we've invested, we have been invested for, you know, a number of years now in particularly the tools that, that, that retailers can leverage to drive online sales, right? I mean, if you, even if you just start there, right? Tremendous amount of opportunity, particularly for retailers, where a lot of their growth is coming either from e-commerce or needs to. 
And so, you know, the the sort of core capabilities that we have there that when you really sort of strip it down and simplify it is, one, if you, if you have an app strategy, um, if you have a mobile app, no better place to get distribution for high, high qualified, you know, um, customers who are likely going to take, you know, the actions that you want in that app, right? Doing that on Facebook. Um, and, and for us, we think if you have an app, the key thing is to make sure you invest in distribution, right? There's something like 4.2 million apps in the, the various app stores, right? So discovery is an incredibly challenging concept. You guys then, even have a cool, so a lot of people have seen the download ad unit. Um, you even have a cool kind of uh, activation or reactivation ad unit, which is pretty pretty clever. Right. Yeah. So that if you do have an app on someone's, let's say you're a retailer, you have an app that's out there and it hasn't been activated, you guys can detect that and, and then kind of serve up a very targeted ad unit to just even activating that app. Yeah, and I'll, I'll yeah. touch on that in a There's second. There's a whole life is, cycle that's really cool. Yeah, I'll touch apps. on that in a second, of course, which is, you know, that's about sort of building a, you know, an, an, a, you know, um, um, uh, an app, you know, distribution list for you as a business. And then you get to the, you know, what the businesses are doing, which is they're driving online sales, right? And so the capabilities that we build allow us to, you know, in a very simple way, ingest a product catalog from a business and uh, then sell products for your entire catalog, right? Um, and, you know, the products that we leverage that everyone should be using, particularly as we go into the holidays, are... You know, if you put our Facebook pixel, for example, on your website or your app events in your app, that allows the signals to come back in to know who to show products to, right? People who have been to your website and apps. And if you use then our dynamic ads product, what we call dynamic ads, which is our ability to ingest a product feed, very similar to the, you know, the Google product listing ad Mm -hmm. product feed. Uh, And then we can combine those two things and in a very automated way, just sell your products, throughout your entire product catalog, right? Like if you do nothing else on Facebook, you should do that and run it on Facebook, Instagram, and audience network, right? Pixels, app events, and then use dynamic ads to sell products, right? That's the simplest thing. And that's going to, that's the thing that will do what you care about ultimately, which is, which is sell products, right? Um, and so that's for offline. I mean, that's for online. And of course, we've taken those, those learnings and capabilities and, and we're starting to expand that into offline or, or multi-channel, if you will. Um, because, of course, we all know 90% of sales happen in store, right? And so, you know, uh, I'll sort of hit on this at a high level, but we're building a similar set of capabilities for offline, which is how to, you know, enabling you to, you know, upload your, uh, your local inventory product feeds onto Facebook, right? So it's a similar concept, which is product feeds with local inventory and local pricing on a per-store level. Right. Um, and then again, doing the same thing, which is dynamic ads, but for retail, which is then showing products that are, you know, that we think uh, you might be interested in as a person, as a consumer that's available at the nearest store to you, um, you know, with with ad units that drive you to store and give you the necessary information of how to get to this store. And as, um, as a consumer, I'm I'm driving near the Home Depot. Facebook determines that, you know, you geo-target me and you determine that that's a great time to show me the ad for, you know, the power drill I've been talking to my friend about or something right. like that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Just to, like, land it for... Exactly, and, it'll, and it will always be products that are available in the store and yep. give you, you know, additional information on that product and, uh, you, know, way, you know, things like store locators so you can easily, you know, pull up the map and, and be on your way, right? And, and so we're early on that side. 
right? Very much early on that side. Um, and we will, you know, learn and, and, and invest more there. But to sum it up, yeah, I think, you know, at the simplest level, you know, we want to help businesses, you know, grow their customers and, and sell products. And online, much more proven today. Uh, and through the use of things like our, our pixels and app events, as well as our dynamic ads product, we can sell products throughout your entire catalog and then extending that capability to, to offline stores as well. I want to add some context for your listeners um, to, to add to what Maz said. So, so I was in a session this morning uh, organized by Forrester at breakfast. It was early, by the way. Yeah, that's um, impressive, Nicholas. Yeah, no, exactly. But um, we did a quick poll of of who in the room um, had the mobile strategy, and they're all retailers. And about half the hands went up, and and who's happy with their mobile strategy, and and they're maybe. Five to ten percent of the hands went up, and that's so key, right? So we're we're going to argue all morning, right, with you. We believe in a mobile first world that will apply to retail, um, and therefore we're entering the holiday season now. Everybody's going to be surprised again for the third time in a row that what the percentage of their traffic that came through mobile. Um, it's important to to really build a solid mobile strategy. We can help service that mobile strategy. We are not the mobile strategy, right? Like, so we're building tools to service your mobile strategy as a retailer. So that, that's, that's, a, that's a really important point. And to illustrate a little bit of what Maz was saying in terms of why is Facebook an interesting and a set of platforms to plug into for this is uh, on a daily basis across Facebook, Instagram, and Messenger, people spend 50 minutes on our platforms consuming content. About about twenty percent of the internet time basically spent on Facebook. Was it's, that a day or a week or month? Per day. Of a day. Yeah, per Fifty day. minutes a day. Fifty minutes a day, right? So this is a medium across a different platform that allows you to reach people, not only a lot of people, right? But reach them a lot and often and at the right moment in time and and realizing that then you can go get pretty much anybody you want, right, to to kind of establish a conversation around what you're selling in a very, very effective way. Yeah. One of the things when I talk to retailers about uh, Facebook, number one, they, you guys have so many offerings. Sometimes it's hard for them to even kind of like know where to go. And the buffet is so full of delicious things that they don't know where to go. Um, a lot of them maybe have experimented with some of the older stuff too. And, and kind of, you know, it didn't work like three years ago. And I don't think they realize so much has changed. And a lot of them have a trouble. They're so used to that Google model where, you know, the user has entered a search term and they can, Buy that search term, and it's it's you know it's so bottom of the funnel when people are searching for you know brand name drill or whatnot like that. H- how do you help people understand like um, the Facebook kind of model versus that that kind of more direct response model? E- either of you, it's fine. yeah, yeah. I think you know we'll go back to sort of how the world has sort of evolved, right? In a, in a desktop environment, right, the first thing that you started with was a blank page with a bar in it, and you typed in something, right? Um, but but mobile is very different, right? And and you know the way people are consuming and, and the way um, people are discovering is very very different, right? The phone is a very two dimensional surface with these sort of specific apps that are kind of the leader in a category, right, that, that represents, you know, a use case for you. And, and people tend to just dive into those apps, right? And so the reality is, you know, when people are spending about 20% of their time in something like a Facebook, um, you need to be there, right? Even though they're not sitting there searching for products, right? It doesn't mean the consumer doesn't have intent that day, 
right? They're just not going and necessarily putting, their starting point isn't putting everything into a box, right? And so product discovery becomes extremely important, right? Um, and so, you know, additional products, for example, that, that are incredibly effective at doing this on Facebook are, you know, products like video, our video ad unit, um, our another ad unit that we call Canvas, our carousel ad unit. These are, you know, give every marketer the ability to, to basically feature a set of products and a collection of products and, and just merchandise them in feed where people are spending 20% of their time, right? Um, and, and, you know, products even such as video are just absolutely killing it for performance marketers who are leaning in and using it uh, because they're going to where people are and they're featuring their merchandising products all day long, Right. And then from that, you know, then you can take that demand that you're generating and, and fulfill it, right, through things like retargeting back on Facebook, right, using things like dynamic ads. Um, and so, so the, the, the notion of, you know, how it worked, you know, in a desktop environment is just, just, it's just not how mobile works anymore, right? And so you need to go where people are and you need to merchandise products in as intelligent a scale away, away as possible, um, and really drive demand and then fulfill demand. And, and so from our perspective, those are the types of solutions where uh, we're building for, for retailers. Yeah, one, one of the use cases I think that people um, latch onto that really works well is the retargeting married with the carousel. So, so the, just for listeners, the use case is uh, I'm on any of my devices and, and Facebook kind of knows where I am and I go to a retailer and I visit four product pages. Then on Facebook, you can have an ad unit that kind of shows those four things in a nice carousel. And it's on the phone, it's very, you know, you swipe left, swipe right. It's a really good ad unit. That's right. Um, so, so I've seen that one successful. Um, but then when I, when I talk to retailers about dynamic product ads, they, because there's not that search term, they kind of say, all right, I've uploaded my catalog. How does Facebook, you know, and let's say there's no retargeting going on. How does Facebook know what product to show when? Mm-hmm. H- how do you answer that question? I, I struggle with it. I just kind of say, well, you know, they, they can see the social graph and that gives them all this kind of data to kind of surface that. But you, yeah. you may have a better answer than I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the, so when, uh, sort of, I'll break it into kind of two different kinds. Again, when, when we're, you're able to, you know, drive really scalable product discovery on Facebook before you even get to dynamic ads, right? Just by taking, you know, some, you know, some of your best products, for example, and putting them in a carousel and targeting it, you know, a, a, a relevant audience, right? Gives you mass reach and distribution and, and putting your products out in front of, uh, you know, that customer base and, and driving them to, you know, your website or deep linking into an app um, or even increasingly sending them to store, right? Um, and that's before you even get to retargeting, right? So, so that's about audience large based. audiences. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but then that's where then the product like dynamic ads starts to pick up, which is it leverages the signals from your website and app to then, you know, to show relevant products in addition to recommended products, right? So you might go see an individual purse, come back to Facebook. And if you're, if the marketer is using dynamic ads, we can show a carousel of, uh, of that purse, plus perhaps other recommended products from their product catalog um, to the consumer in, in near real time, right? So they can go to a retailer's website and then come to Facebook and they might see that product. Um, so mostly, you know, the signal that's being used at, at that point is, you know, if someone's been to your website or apps, there's really strong intent, right? And so if you're running dynamic ads, you know, we're showing you relevant products right when you get back. 
in addition to that, of course, we're constantly learning about, you know, um, uh, about people's, you know, behavior and interests. Um, and we leverage that in our, in our decisioning models as well to, to decide, again, which types of products from which retailers to show people um, when they're on Facebook. So uh, the primary use case, I would say, with dynamic ads is retargeting today. Um, but, of course, we're learning about, you know, again, behavior and, 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 and showing the most relevant products that we can to people when they're on Facebook. Yeah, another just last thing on this. Another thing I've once so then retailers go through this life life cycle, and one of the things I really love about Facebook versus a lot of other like let's say search based things is it's hard to make more searches, right? So so let's say you've got this search term that's working really well. There's going to be X searches, and maybe searches will grow five percent a year for that term or something. But but that's kind of it. That's the market. Uh, and what's interesting about Facebook is if you find something that works for an audience, you can dial up that because you have one point seven billion you know users, you can dial up that audience and you can really control the volume a lot better on Facebook is what I hear from a lot of retailers that if they have budget, they can kind of say, all right, I, I can dial up the volume. Um, whereas other direct response things, the volume is set at X uh, and you, you just can't change the volume. You can just, you know, maybe spend a little bit more to, to drive it, but the ROI hits a cliff because you're not really expanding the, the audience. So I, I think that's the feedback I get from, from retailers about Facebook when they're kind of in that life cycle. I, I think that's right. The, the, what we've really been talking about is the spectrum of intent, right? So, um, Traditionally, retail is very strong on high intent, you know, search, stated intent, stated demand. Yeah. Um, that's a very small part of shopping. You know, ask yourself the last 10 things you bought. How many, for, how many could you have said, I really want this thing? Um, probably nine times out of 10, you went into a shopping experience and discovered it. And so that's really where we're trying to crack. These are lower intent signals. There are things about you we can still segment, target. You should do that. But the reality is um, you're trying to replicate this discovery experience that, that you know, is really good in stores, frankly. Um, or, maybe, or maybe on desktop is easier because I can show you a lot of things in a session uh, in a mobile environment, which is hard because I can show you fewer things. So that's, that's the balancing act. And you're right. You can, you can uh, toggle it up, uh, up and down. And, 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 and Maz and his team are building lots of products around that. Uh, there's another thing I'd like to add as, as to why there is such a roaster of products, right? So what we're saying loud and clear is um, there's a sequence. Like you, you need to use the stuff that's at scale first, simple. We know it works. It works all over the world. And then graduate to the more complex stuff. But because there are different levels of sophistication, and we see actually the more advanced levels of sophistication sophistications in the new companies, the new pure players, mm -hmm. they're using everything. Yeah. Right, they're building systems around this, and there's enormous demand from Maz's team to build even more advanced signal things. And then there's more traditional retailers on the other end who are still, you know, kind of incorporating the the basics. So it can feel uh, complicated and long to some, uh, but just know that there's a population out there for whom it feels like they want even more. Yeah, yeah, must be hard to serve all those kind of kind of folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to ask the really hard question. Like, which of your babies are ugly? Like, which, which, which products do you think maybe aren't the best place for a retailer to start? Like, are, you know, are there products that you would, you would tend to lean away from to have early success? No, no ugly babies here. <laughs> no, do you want to? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's expansion on what I just said. There's a sequence of things, right? So, um, and you guys talk a lot about the new shiny objects, right? So... We can have a conversation about Oculus, but frankly, if you're not doing the Pixel and the app events, 
we really shouldn't be talking about this. You know, I'd say the same thing to a certain extent. Like, there's some cool stuff you can do with Messenger. But are you really maximizing dynamic ads for you? Sequence that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, they're all beautiful babies. Um, but, but some are more useful and at scale uh, than others. Yeah, I mean, I, I would just reiterate, I think the, you know, again... Mobile is just a comp- different computing experience, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, we, we, there are these, these places such as the Facebook newsfeed where, you know, people are spending in, in, you know, a very large portion of their day on it, right? Um, and getting your products in a scalable way and getting your message in a scalable way in newsfeed is the most important thing to do, right? Before you get sort of involved in anything else on Facebook, um, so I think it's less about ugly babies, but, but really about sequence. And I think if you do it in the wrong sequence, you really could have, you know, a negative experience leveraging the platform. The, um, so it's interesting. I, I have a, a marketplace orientation. Nicholas knows this. Uh, and I've always watched you guys have kind of flirted with what I would call marketplace kind of things, like having transactions on Facebook. So in the early days, probably like right when you joined, there's a lot of, a lot of companies that would help you set up a little store on Facebook and kind of in your page, right? And, and that was, everyone was excited about it and ended up not being like hugely excited, you know, didn't really have many transactions because it was just like essentially a store on a page. It wasn't even that different and did translate to mobile. Uh, so then we saw um, uh, you guys did some experiments around a buy button where I could take one of these, ad, like a product ad unit and have a buy button on there, a little mini product page. Um, that seems to be kind of, I don't know if it's dead or not, but it's on the back burner as best I can tell. And then a lot of the, the recent announcements have been around Messenger um, and what we call chat commerce. So, uh, you know, Dave Marcus uh, recently, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, talked about you can now do transactions in, in Messenger. Um, tell us a little bit about that and, and that life cycle. And um, if you want to pontificate on where it's going, we'd love to hear that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either of you. Sorry. Yeah, I think... Um, you know, we always internally have an interesting sort of experience with this, which is whenever, you know, we, we test something like putting a buy button with a payment flow on Facebook, it, it, it's massive, massive news, right? It always becomes massive news in the industry. Um, I think from our perspective, the way we think about this and the way we approach this is, you know, we are trying to help, uh, you know, marketers and people, um, you know, with the whole shopping experience, Right in mobile, and when you when you you know when you think about things like a buy button, for example, it's such a small part of that overall experience, right? And so the context here is, you know, for us, we're thinking about again, how do you drive product discovery in a place where people are spending their time and they're not necessarily sitting and searching for things, right? But but it's where they are, right? It's where they're spending in in, uh, in a, a very large portion of their day. Um, so how do you drive product discovery, such as the ad units, right, and the experiences that enable marketers to, up, to bring their product catalogs and highly visual content to, to really drive demand and interest? You know, and, and technologies like, you know, dynamic ads to, to then be able to, you know, merchandise the specific right set of products to people so that they take action. Um, and the ability to then send that to websites or deep link into apps, right? So if you have people who've instrumented an app, conversion rates are phenomenal in apps relative to mobile websites, for example, right? So we enable marketers to deep link into an app instead of sending someone to a mobile website. Do you guys have any data on that, like uh, app conversions versus mobile web? 
Uh, no, so I think we we just we don't share our internal data on this. I think you know studies. I've seen multiple studies, studies on this. Right? Yeah. Um, uh, we'll look and see if we can share something afterwards. But yeah. I've definitely seen multiple this studies. Is Jason on. and I debate this a lot, so this was a, this will prove I'm I'm right finally. Yeah. What, what um, we've heard is that apps convert higher than mobile sites. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. And so so that that's sort of the next phase of it, right? Um, but 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 certainly we experiment with things like you know what if you put a buy button in there does it help the you know the conversion rate yeah um, and you know could we then instrument that in other properties such as you know things like messenger as well mm-hmm. the key is you know what we're really trying to help with is the entire shopping experience and we absolutely envision a world where you know, marketers need to continue to invest in their websites and their apps and their omni-channel shopping experiences and that we're primarily going to be a distribution channel for them in mobile. But, you know, with things like, you know, the buy button, which is a small test, right, that we've run and things like that, like we'll continue to also experiment with things that we think can help that overall shopping experience, at least for some segment of, of marketers. So if you're a small business, for example, you might enjoy, you know, or, or, or be able to leverage something like a buy button more so than, than, than others, right? Because it really helps with a pain point potentially. So the key is that we're building solutions, we're building capabilities really across that uh, the entire sort of shopping experience. Mm-hmm. And really the most important stuff is actually our ability to drive demand and distribution yeah. to things like apps and websites and stores where the vast majority of transactions happen and will continue to happen uh, in the world. Can I add, can I add something? Because I, I want to make sure I, I, you know, I think there was something in your question that we didn't necessarily get to. So um, we're still working. On, on, on these deals and the experiments. Maz mentioned the, the, the buy button. We've got some good partnerships with uh, Shopify and Big Commerce. If you're a Shopify, Big Commerce uh, customer, you, you can upload your inventory on your page. This is starting to function like a mini store. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this is something we're monitoring a lot. But the, the point I want to make is that there's a bigger continuum than people realize between ads and commerce, if you will. Um, it's all commerce. When, when you're uploading your catalogs through dynamic ads, uh, people are seeing them in carousels, they're clicking on it, they're deep linking into your app and they're buying it there. All of that was commerce. Um, and there's a real question as to where commerce should occur. Where is it the most effective for retailers? Um, right now, we've built mostly tools for that commerce to occur on their properties because they've invested enormous amounts of capital in those properties and they're getting better. Uh, and that's what they've asked us to do. Um, and as a platform, we may have other tools down the road, but really that's the use case that is the most logical at this point, right? Yeah. One I, um, I follow that's pretty interesting, and, and this is kind of more super SMB, uh, but it seemed like there was this organic thing that happened where people would form these little Facebook local groups, and they would start trading, almost kind of like a Craigslist kind of an environment. Uh, and then you guys have put a little structure around that. I forget what you call it. Is it called Facebook Marketplace or Market or something like that? Uh, and it's been in, I think it started in Australia. Uh, and then now I think it's, is it in the U.S. now? Tell us a little bit about that. I think that's kind of really cool that you have this like group of grassroots users start to do things and you kind of put a little structure around it. Yeah. You, you're you're talking about the for sale groups. Yeah, for sale um, groups. For sale okay. groups. Right, so there's right. communities. You could, for, so anyone can open a group 
on Facebook, right? So um, we work a lot on Facebook, and uh, I'm sure you do too. You have groups that of things you like, and there's so the pe- communities have created themselves around these interests. So um, maybe close the big one, um, and then we structured a little bit that experience. So you can there's fields now that you can add more information on. Uh, you can mark the thing as sold or not, right? There's the transaction doesn't there. happen on. It's kind of a you guys kind of meet and then the transaction happens off off Facebook. Yeah, okay. yeah. The transaction yeah. tends to happen. I actually haven't explored in, in there, person. but I knew they were called yeah. something. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's just, it's like a typical thing that we do, right? Where we look at where there's um, you know some some behavior or demand that that exists and. Uh, you, with, you know, with any of our products, um, we we think about how do we improve that experience, right? And so the for sale group experience is a is a is a classic one where there's you know a lot of these groups that exist, and we've tried to put some structure around it. So I want to uh, change topics just slightly. Uh, there's an endemic problem in our digital industry that I feel like you guys are in a unique position to address, um, and you you alluded to some of this earlier. That it's online versus offline attribution, right? So, hey, 90% of all these purchase decisions are still happening in stores. Most of what we're doing with digital is driving someone to a conversion action that happens in a, a physical store. But for most retailers, it's very hard to know that happened, right? So, you know, all the retargeting platforms, like, very often we're, we're all buying ads, like, on, on your platform and everyone else's, uh, for products that have have are actually converted, they just converted in a store, and we we had no way to to know that. Um, and very few retailers have a lot of authenticated users, right? Like, so they just they don't have the data set to know that that same person that was standing in the store was the same was also the person that visited from that that mobile browser. Um, because of your huge audience and the fact that they are all like largely authenticated. It seems like you have the best chance of knowing that user and knowing their behavior across uh, products. Like, I, can you talk a little bit about like potentially solving the the online the offline attribution problem for retailers and and, and even cross device attribution? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can take this one. Uh, so attribution, yes, big big challenge, right? Big challenge. Um, one that we we think about a lot, you know. In many ways, we think this is one of the, like it's like a holy grail of marketing, right? How do you connect mobile to offline, right? Cross device as well, but but really, it starts to get interesting when you when you think about connecting mobile to offline. So I can tell you that you know this is a a big challenge. Will continue to be one in the industry for for some time. Um, you know, from from our perspective, you know, again, just sort of adding to the challenge that exists. You know, most so, so this concept that we're sort of describing the world today is that it's mobile first. It doesn't mean conversions happen on mobile. Some do, and that number is increasing. But the vast majority of transactions, the vast majority of shopping touch points and transactions after that will be a mix, right? Um, the, uh, the closer you get to the transaction, the more of it happens in a store, for example. All of those sort of omni-channel paths are pretty much blind to all marketers today. Using any existing attribution system, pretty much blind, right? And even if you strip it down to the simplest use case, which is, you know, if you're advertising on Facebook, most ads are being seen, you know, on mobile, right? Mm -hmm. We just talked about the statistics of how many people are on mobile. 
most conversions probably, you know, even for a digital pure play, you know, business probably happen on a desktop. That attribution path is probably blind to most marketers who are using existing attribution systems and, and analytics products and all of those things today. Which are right? effectively tag and cookie based, right? And the, yeah. the problem is that tag or cookie gets dropped on one device, one session and gets lost in, in the, the, the way consumers interact with it today. Right. So this is, it's an existential problem, right? That exists in the industry. Um, nobody has a full idea of their marketing. Right. So from our perspective, you know, we certainly haven't solved it in its entirety because it's a complex problem. But there's a few things that they're ultimately, you know, people based for us. Right. Like so that you that you mentioned, because people you know, are logging in on our services um, that can really help here. Right. So for online, we talked about the Facebook pixel and, and app events, for example, in your app. Right. When you instrument those things, right, those are Facebook ad pixels and Facebook app events, right? When you instrument those things in your website or app, then you, get, you, you, you start to get people-based, you know, measurement and attribution across devices, right? So you can sort of see that someone saw an ad or clicked on an ad in a mobile device, but then later, maybe seven days later or a day later, converted on your desktop. And, and just kind of... Uh, uh, kind of one-on-one it the it, you guys see that because i'm logged into facebook on my desktop on my ipad and on my two phones so you can kind right. of you know what what kind of generally is happening in an anonymous way across those devices that's right and so you're you're not using the cookie which is so device it's kind of a 1980s technology effectively right. Okay. Yeah. that's right yeah. exactly um and so so just simply using the facebook pixel app events starts to give you cross device attribution Right now, of course, there's still challenges of how do you plug that into your other attribution models and all of that. But you get to see that on Facebook, which is really powerful. We have this thing called a, a cross device report, for example, where you can see, you know, how many people clicked on a mobile phone and then converted um, on a desktop, for example. Really powerful insight. Um, and so then you extend that beyond, uh, you know, online and, and apps. And recently we just announced the ability to do store visit measurement. Right. So store visits is an estimated metric, right? It's, it's primarily based on, you know, uh, folks who've turned on the location services on their phone. So we use that to then extrapolate uh, for a larger audience who's seen your ads. So what we can do is we can show you that you saw a campaign on Facebook that was driving you to a store. Uh, one of our, for example, the dynamic ads for retail uh, product that I mentioned earlier, Right. And then we can extrapolate and tell you how many people we think went to a store. The specific, you know, went to the store, um, uh, one of your stores. Uh, and really, really powerful metric, right? Um, and one that's really scalable, right? Because we can extrapolate it to a very large audience. Um, and then you can go further. So that gives you people-based measurement at a store level. And then you can go further where we've also introduced a product recently called the Offline Conversion. It's an API, it's an offline conversion API where you can instrument that um, implemented in your either point of sale systems or CRM systems, or there's a number of partnerships that we have there as well. Um, and that enables you to see, uh, you know, in real time, uh, be able to do attribution of transactions happening in your, in your store to the marketing that you're running on Facebook, right? So I, I ping that API and I say, Joe Smith just came in the store and bought X. And you're, you're able to know, okay, Joe Smith, uh, 
you know, because of our geo targeting, we 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 saw the path he took to get to that purchase. Is that kind of how it That's works? That's right. We we see so that transaction we data. Ad, yeah. Right to Joe Smith, and we can say at an aggregate level yeah. that. You know, the, these are the number of, of conversions in store that we can attribute to this ad, right? So we're starting to put in the pieces, if you will, to at least give you the signals to be able to really, from an omni-channel perspective, be able to see the different touch points uh, through, you know, these people-based, you, know, um, you know, measurement capabilities. I'm not suggesting this solves everything, right? We still have to figure out how that fits into other attribution models that you have in your, you know... A, uh, that you're running your business on, uh, but but it's getting us a little bit closer to that. So, so so yeah, big challenge. The whole industry needs to do more to solve this. Businesses need to change their methodologies, um, but we're we're definitely starting to invest in in providing some of those capabilities. Wasn't there a beacon component? You guys had a program where you could get a free beacon if you did certain things. Is, is that part of this whole? Was there an element there that if the beacons yeah. installed, you get even higher? Um, you know. Uh, higher quality, good signal to noise ratio, because now that's a physical, it's better than geotargeting to some degree. Yeah, that's really part of the whole store visits methodology, okay. right? Which is, you know, we're looking at a basket of signals to try to really extrapolate and, and see, did you visit a store, right? Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's some, if a retailer has a beacon deployment, we can work with them and, and we've facilitated some as well. And, uh, you know, early days on that stuff, but it's part of the basket of signals that we can leverage to, be able to predict that somebody, or be able to see that somebody went into a store. Again, just to put a wrapper on, this is the most important question, right, of, of the industry. Um, and it's a complicated one, right? So what's, what everyone should be really excited about is that we're going to be able to demonstrate the impact of digital in, in the physical location. Um, I think one of the most important components to this is the organizational component for retailers. These are two, these are organized in silos. Store people and online people don't talk to each other. Um, They must talk to each other for this to work. Um, The tools are starting to come up and they're exciting uh, to test, you know, and to answer this, this, this question of like how many of 100 store sales, how many were influenced by digital, right? And by how much? which leads to rethinking your, your marketing mix and, and, and your attribution model. All these things start coming together, and, and there's no cookie-cutter answer. Uh, but at the core, there is a need for the two parts of the organization to work together in an integrated way to say we're going to solve, solve that together. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and again, many retailers are still coming to terms with this idea that a lot of their channels are optimized in silos, you know, and the search team is on the one side and the Facebook team is on the other side, and then the store, print, TV, they don't necessarily talk to each other. Uh, those solutions require all these teams to really cooperate great, at a great level of granularity in order to answer that question. Facebook just brings people together, even inside the companies. Open and connect. That's right. <laughs> Open and connect. That's right. So I love the fact that there's a group inside of Facebook that's thinking about these problems as much as we are. Um, one of the questions I have is, so, you know, hopefully all the retailers listening are, are almost certainly already using your platform. They're, they're buying ads. Is there something they should be doing to have a relationship with you guys? Like, are, you know, should they be working through their ad sales team? Or what, what kind of relationship would you like to have with, with retailers? So we, we have... Uh, different levels of support, uh, depending, frankly, on how much support the clients really require. 
Uh, you know, we announced yesterday we have 4 million advertisers in the world. So we don't give the same level of support to all of them. Um, there are some very large retailers who get, you know, dedicated teams who work at Facebook. And, and, um, and that's great. They, they also are, you know, investing a lot in the platform. Um, we have a small business team out of Austin, actually, who uh, gives support to sort of the next tier down. And then we have more and more self-service tools. Uh, if you're beginning, right, um, and uh, one is called Blueprint, um, Facebook Blueprint, actually, and, and the Facebook for Business site. So if you go to facebook.com slash business, uh, you get a slew of resources, case studies, how-tos, uh, product explanations, links. They're kind of broken out by vertical. So broken out by vertical. find a retail. Yeah. By vertical, by geography. Um, you can get that in any language. And so we're investing a lot also in sort of self-service tools to figure out what, what it is that you want to do, what's right for you. Nice. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Excellent. Thank great. you. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. Um, so we always like to talk about the future, and you guys have uh, very forward thinking on this stuff. Um, one of the things, I, I think it was Mark Zuckerberg, I can't remember if it was him or Sheryl Sandberg, said on one of the earnings calls, um, you know, they said something to the, the, the effect of, Shopping is an inherently social thing, and we still aren't really kind of there online. Uh, you know, I see I have a, a teenage daughter, and she uses Insta as kind of a way to shop. She'll go try on four dresses, put them up on Insta, and then, like, use the voting kind of as a feedback, kind of replicate that going shopping with 20 friends kind of an experience. Um, where do you guys see the future kind of going and, and you know, kind of thinking three to five years out? You're, you're doing a lot of cool stuff in Messenger. Do you think... How will you guys kind of solve that and, and kind of bring it all together? See, Nicholas is our futurist, the okay. in-house futurist. I, mean. I am. <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a complicated question, right? Because it changes all the time. So typically, when you study young millennials um, or teen- teenagers, right, like um, they're not using one thing; they're using multiple things, and they're and they're getting their hands so what we know for sure there are things we know and things we're still discovering right so what we know for sure is it's all digital and it's all mobile right um and within that their patterns of use evolve very quickly um and and which leads to a lot of the experimentation you should do on the content front right um you know you take the fashion industry which is probably the fastest moving retail uh subvertical um, you know, fashion brands come and go very quickly. That's a pattern. That's not about to change. I would argue this is about to accelerate, right? Because you can create a brand quickly and reach people and, and create that, that following. How will that materialize? I don't completely know. What I know is it'll be on a mobile phone, right? And so this ability to create a brand, a following, uh, a pattern, right? And, and iterate quickly. We're seeing small, small brands, you know? So in the 4 million advertisers, there's people, again, who are building entire systems around us. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Lolly Wally Doodle a couple a few years ago. That's what she did, right? She's in mm-hmm. uh, Carolina yeah, next, yeah. To you, next to you. Uh, her, her idea was to create these embroidered you know, dresses for kids. She yeah. built a big business. Yeah, it's backwards. She, like, puts the designs up. People, like, vote on them. And yeah. then she goes and makes the ones that win so it's kind of that's a, right you know instead of going out and taking all the risk on the supply chain and hoping people buy it they yeah. kind of inverted the model yeah well, maybe not the dresses that your teenage daughter is interested in but um this was a this is a great business idea mm-hmm. and i think i think that's what you you see is these tools fundamentally enable uh you know retailers to innovate 
faster, uh, understand their markets faster, uh, respond faster. Um, and I, I think we're, we haven't seen anything yet in terms of, of the speed of innovation that we're going to be rewarded with. Jason and I are big on chat commerce, and we catch a lot of flack from uh, from being out there on that one. Um, you guys are so, – so you're in our camp, hopefully, because you guys are investing a lot on it. What are some of the most cool chat commerce things you've seen, um, use cases that, that are out there? Uh, you, know, you guys put up Everlane a lot uh, as one. I've seen uh, – is it 1-800-Flowers? Um, any cool things you can kind of tell us about that you guys have seen uh, that are obviously public? I don't want like to super yeah. secret stuff. If you want to give us some exclusives, I mean, that's fine too. You want to take it? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of touch on it on at a high level, which is again, there are these. Actually, to touch on the, the your previous comment a little bit, I think like you know this notion of you know you know being sort of futuristic and you know what what will come. I think Nicholas is exactly right. Like we just don't know, right? Um, we don't know. What we do know is it will be rapid. Um, and the other thing that I'll sort of touch on, which you touched on a little bit, which is you know, in, in similar ways to how Amazon and AWS, for example, you know, democratize like the web services stack so that a small business out of Carolina could be up and running, you know, really, really quickly and easily. I think that's what's, you know, the, the, when, you, when you see capabilities like, like Facebook and Instagram, so like it's providing that same level of democratization to a small you know, business to be able to reach a global audience really quickly, right? And really, really scalably. Um, so I think what you're going to see, I agree, is an acceleration of, you know, new innovative entrants, you know, coming in and getting pretty big pretty quickly, right? Now, of course, they need to have, you know, a good product, right? And they need to have good, you know, assets, like like whether it's apps or websites or stores or whatever their experience is. Um, but you're going to see those types of things emerging really, really quickly and scaling really, ra- really rapidly. Then, like, what will be the things that they leverage, right? So they might be able to leverage, you know, the stuff, the stuff we talked about earlier today is the stuff that is going to give them the greatest scale in the foreseeable future, which is, you know, merchandising their products and things like Facebook feed and Instagram feed, right? Now, will other use cases emerge that are interesting, you know, such as chat commerce or perhaps, you know, something related to live? Um, of course, these things will, will be experimented, right? Of course, there'll be, there, there's already experimentation on them. Um, and, you know, some businesses are seeing, you know, some good early results. Um, and, and those things will evolve as time goes on, right? And from our perspective, you know, things like, you know, such as what you're referring to as chat commerce or live and things like that, things like that are, you know, we'll look at behavior. We'll look at how people are experimenting. We'll learn from it. And, you know, we'll invest more if we think there's, there's you know, really interesting sort of user behavior that's evolving. Um, so I'd say with, with all of those things, that's the stage where we are, where we're just observing and learning. But, but to be clear, a messenger... It's, it's ready for experimentation, right? So we opened the platform back in April. Um, we, we're seeing a lot of bots being deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still small numbers. It plays an interesting role in CRM. Start there, right? Like, here's an opportunity for your customers to talk to you. They're doing it through the page today. The page connected to messages. They can message the page. Can you teach them to message you more frequently across many more things? Can you plug that into your back end? And then building from there, can you add functionality to cross-sell, upsell? Uh, again, it's going to be the similar pattern that Maz explained for the Facebook side, which is we're, we'll roll out features 
I'm going to try not to call them products because that's confusing. Features, tools. Uh, and you pick and choose the tools that are good for you, right? Um, but the opportunity is there's, there's a billion people messaging. They're, they're already there. Um, and they actually want to talk to you. We, there was um, a study we started quoting that 53% of people um, actually want to message their brand and are going to shop more from those brands as they do so, right? That creating that intimate relationship between uh, the retailer and uh, the customer on an ongoing basis is an enormous opportunity and something that retailers should really think about. Well, if we want to try the transactional thing, have, have anyone, were there any launch partners with that announcement that we could kind of go, go experiment and buy something from a chatbot? I don't know. It, you were it, um, not sure. I'm not sure. Um, you know, there's, there's some cool chatbots you can look at. Tommy uh, Hilfiger did a cool one a couple weeks ago. Uh, Spring has, has an interesting one. I don't know that either of those are transactional yet, though. Okay. I'll keep an eye on it. Well, I, for one, welcome my messenger bot overlords. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, guys, uh, it's happening. We've, we've used a perfectly good hour of our listeners' time. So, uh, Nicholas, Moz, we really appreciate you taking time out from the show to educate our listeners about the latest and greatest at Facebook. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, as a reminder to our live audience, after a brief break, we'll be doing our last live podcast where Jason and I are going to break down everything that we've heard about here at the show and, and kind of go over some of the keynotes and some of the other content. Thanks, Thanks, guys. guys. Yeah, that was really fun. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.